Hey everybody, and welcome to this evening's live Yawa with uh, me and her, because we're here again this week <laughs> with y'all. Um, this is episode 77, and if you looked at the thumbnail and the description, this episode, if you will, is about creating legacies or the punniness behind that. Our new puppy's name is Legacy, and um, which is, was a, a kind of a thought process cat had had, and then a recommendation slash re solidification. I don't, I don't think that's a word. Um, of uh, everybody thinking that was a great idea because we got a whole bunch of people saying you should name her Legacy. So guess what? That is the puppy's name. And I will say I was skeptical. I was like, I don't really know. How do you yell legacy across the field? Oh, we'll shorten it or whatever. It, it rolls off the tongue pretty good. And it fits her. Seems to anyhow. She she understands it well. I agree. This evening, we're going to be talking about a few different things. First and foremost, I want to say, if you are a fan of the things that we do, the best way to support that is via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Standing Stone Kennels. We have a dog training community set up there where we answer people's questions on the daily. If you have questions, and a lot of folks do, about where they're at in training or what their dog is doing, um, that is the best place to reach out to us. The other side of it is... Um, Every video that we create, the the time that we put into these live yawas and the equipment that it takes to be able to do all of this, all is primarily funded by the Patreon account. So if you love what we're doing and you want to be a part of supporting that or have questions and also want to help support, um, reach out to us there. The, the second to that would be anything that we use and recommend or you see in one of our videos is available or almost all of it is available at standingstonesupply.com. Again, that's standingstonesupply.com. Check it out if you're looking for training gear for your new puppy or your current dog or need a fancy new collar. We've got those too. All right. So as far as things upcoming, we like to do a little of this and then um, we're going to go into talking about uh, Legacy herself and kind of the path in which we've taken to that and the path that we've taken through um, breeding, developing, and kind of creating a line of our own. Line of our own. Absolutely. So I see a whole bunch of people checking in. Don't want to forget about that. We've got the Canadian Rocky Mountains, Boise, Idaho. Utah, Boston, Mass, St. Cloud, Minnesota, Utah, Cottonwood, California. And we've got Kelly Hay from New Jersey. I hit and, the record button. Thank you for the reminder. And Angelo from Stony Creek, New York, all the way back home with Frida now. He drove out and picked up a puppy this last weekend. More from Utah. And we've got uh, Wisconsin. Hey, Melanie and Duncan and Dawn from Minnesota. Watching from Mississippi, Quebec, Canada. Cool. Pennsylvania. Oh, hey, Ashley, you got Ginger home. She's from Oklahoma. She also came out and picked up a puppy this weekend. Ginger, <laughs> maybe not be listening tonight, but she might be cuddling up and being super sweet. 
Uh, Long Island, New York. I saw a couple Australias, Oklahoma, Australia, uh, Wisconsin, New Jersey, Colorado. Lots and lots of check-ins. That's awesome. Winslow, Maine, more Ontario, Canada. Oh, no. Yeah. Ancaster, Ontario, and I'm assuming that's in Canada. Texas. Scott Lemon from Phillipsburg, Kansas. Tennessee, Ohio. Awesome. So uh, if you're new to tuning into our live Yawa, you will uh, maybe not know the drill, but we usually talk about a topic. This week's topic, we're going to talk about how legacies are born, are made. And then after the beginning um, topic of conversation, we'll move into answering questions. So if you end up asking a question in the comments here, we will get to those towards the end. Um, if you have a question that's just burning a hole in your pocket and you really have to have an answer tonight, definitely um, anybody that puts a super chat in does get priority to getting those questions answered. So, Can we get a soundbite of Kat yelling, rogue? I'd use it as my text notification. <laughs> rogue! There's a few. Uh, we started a little process of creating some sound bites, and I was like, nobody would ever want to use those. And I was like, well, I guess maybe some people would. I actually, so speaking of <laughs> yelling names across the field and things like that, and kind of a segue into talking about legacies. Um, so Nix, one of our dogs, who was the first dog that I ever took to advanced levels of training and testing, I uh, ran him through masters and you know, those, um, learning situations where you learn from your mistakes and you kind of do everything <laughs> wrong. Nix was one of those. Been there. Uh, yeah. Nix was that dog for me. Um, I made lots of mistakes with him. Did he turn out all right? For sure. But, uh, definitely made some mistakes with him, including not, um, conditioning his, recall and obedience super well, especially when he was off collar. Ethan actually did a funny little drill with me once using a beeper collar instead of the regular collar because I like to use vibrate instead of um, stimulation for corrections. And he caught me because the same button on the 1820 is uh, vibrate. And on the 1850, it's actually the beeper locate button. So when I would go to vibrate Nick's, it would go beep, 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 beep. And I'd be like, Dang it. Now Ethan knows I was using vibrate or again. was trying to use vibrate. Again. But anyway, again. Yeah. Anyway, so I actually had um, some judges in AKC when I was running him through masters that uh, also crossed over and were judges for Novda. And I was running him. I ran him through masters and then I ran him through utility to qualify him for the invitational and <laughs> same judges. And they're like, we're going to get you a shirt or we're going to get shirts that are for team cat. And then on the back, it says, Nix! Weep, weep. Because that's what I did. I had a little whistle. And or it would be weep, weep, Nix. Weep, weep, Nix. Yeah. Tweet, tweet, Nix. Yeah, or tweet, whatever. tweet, Nix. Because I would literally yell at him the entire time and he just blew me off. So learned a lot of things about, like I said, what not to do when training and handling. Um, and, and basically learned that uh, he had to be a little more proofed before going to the field. But anyway, that would have been a sound bite for sure. Tweet, tweet. Yeah. You used one of those little English whistles, so it always sounded really cute. Tweet, tweet. And then you would And yell. then my mom mean voice <sighs> that he still ignored, so. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. He knew. He knew he could get away with it. So. And a competitive little bastard. So he would. Yeah. I mean, the second he cut off the line, his goal is to outrun the dog that he's running with. So if you had somebody that he was braced with that was a little harder worker, then they were going to harder worker themselves a quarter to half a mile from you. Which is very stressful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I had major anxiety every time <laughs> I ran him in the field. So oh, I don't know that I've ever had a dog that quite did. Oh, yes, Creek. Okay? Loved Creek. Oh, come on. There were more than cr- just Creek. No, no, no. That ran that big. Oh, ran that big. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and this is off topic totally, but it's kind of a fun story. This Creek, uh, is a setter, Gordon setter, really nice little field bred Gordon setter. And, uh, it is, uh, it, you know, all of the things that we do in the past. And this, this kind of goes into creating this, this falls kind of in line with what we were talking about. You learn from everything though. Right. So, um, in that situation, and I don't pick to be picking, but uh, I would work with Creek, and then his dad would pick him up and run him at the test, which uh, I knew at the time it wasn't a great idea, and it it sh- shined through a horrible idea um, because he just he didn't have enough time for handling. It wasn't a bad idea for me to train him and then his dad handle him, but we needed more time in between the handoff, which was like right before the test. You know, I mean, okay, now you're running him. Well, with yeah, which so as that a handler, Creek could learn that his dad meant something, meant something yeah. and he had to listen to him just the same way he'd been listening to Ethan. And the kiss of death was he was well enough trained and prepared for the first event and didn't know any better. So he went out and got two passes and then zero more. For a very long time. For a very long time. And then finally, he just said, hey, he's yours. You see if you can finish this crap. And I said, okay. And we did very quickly. But there was a lot of, you know, because it was consistent then. It was me training him, then me handling him. And we had that um, understanding and ability to work together and understand each other. And but though in that process, he trained, changed drastically the way he ran and handled. And I remember the last test, one of the last tests that he ran, he he did that. I mean, he broke away with this other dog and ran the whole course out. And we found him on point in the bird field. Was that in Kansas? Yes. That's A big, open, wide open field. No, he wasn't pointing. He was backing. So we found him backing. In the bird field, the other dog and him were racing, like I was talking about foot race dogs. So he's running, 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 and I try and handle him, and he doesn't listen. And I gave him a little bit to run, and then I tried to handle him a little harder when he kind of made a loop back this way, and I was like, he is not listening at all. So at that point, you know, there's— You just follow the dog. You just try and keep up because there's absolutely nothing you can do, and he's proven that. So— they pop up over the hill, and I'm, I mean, I'm like foot racing through this thing. The guy's like, you know, the faster you walk, the faster we, the farther we've got to go. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just trying to keep up with this damn dog. So we, um, it did not help that he's, you know, field trial bred as oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. likes to roll. He's, uh, and, and looks good doing it. High crack and tail, all the fun things. So we roll up over the hill, and poof, there he is. And I can see him at this point. I see this little black dot. Okay. He's like, 
four, five hundred yards, maybe six hundred yards away when we finally spot him. And I'm like, guys, oh, he's on point down there. Oh no, he's backing. Cool. So we get all the way down there and he handled it clean, perfectly fine. Went on, found his bird, did everything right. So it was cool, but nerve-wracking. I, I feel you. And I've been there, done that. And not that we don't get nervous anytime we're handling dogs because we truly care and we, we want to do well and we want the dogs to do well. But some of those dogs take it to the next level of nervousness and it's just full on anxiety. <laughs> I have uh, butterflies walking the line every single time. And I feel like I'm going to vomit until about 10 minutes into the 30 minute brace. Then usually by 10 minutes in, I have walked most of those jitters out if we haven't already found a bird and been disqualified or found a bird and handled it clean. Usually then again, I have worked the jitters out within about 10 minutes and it's like, all right, now where are you going to try and screw me over, us over, dog? That's where we're just trying to keep my eye on. And then the judge is right here behind you trying to chit-chat, you know, oh, hey, how's your summer been, you know? Like, uh, good, watching my dog the entire time, trying to make sure that I, like, Can blah, blah, be prepared I, I am to working here. This is not yeah. my just weekend fun event here. Everybody that has ever run into me at a hunt test says, didn't know if I was supposed to approach him or not. He seemed very intense, very intense. I'm like, just focused y'all. I mean, I like to win. It's not a competition, but I like to do well. I like to perform well. So yeah, you're competing against a standard for sure. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so let's, let's talk about legacies and let's talk about what that means to us. So, um, I don't know if you guys studied the thumbnail at all, but it was a pretty cool picture, a pretty cool opportunity for us to get a picture like that, uh, where we have six generations in one photo, uh, grandpa Rex, then Nick's the good old boy we were just talking about. And then his son Vex, his daughter, Muddy, then her son Thunder, and then Thunder's little baby legacy. So pretty cool. We've got great, great, great Grandpa Rex now. Uh, we just call him Grandpa Rex still. But um, And it just so happened that every puppy, every dog in that picture was a black and white short hair. Now, that is not the goal of our breeding program is to co only produce black and white or keep black and white dogs. It literally just happens that way where, um, for example, Legacy's mom is Quest. Quest is liver and white. We have Trix who's another baby. Well, you can Quest. go down that entire and line. That's a liver and white dog. We've got Grit, who's liver and white. Shooter's liver and white. We've got liver and white dogs, people. Just It's a, so I think, 50-50 <laughs> split in the dogs that we own, liver versus black dogs. Pretty close, Hazel, that sort of thing. But um, it just happened in that picture with that situation with each of the dogs to be all black and white. So Still turned out like a cool picture, but not 100% the intention there, um, especially not the intention to portray that we're only breeding black and white short hairs. Well, we could have done the same level of generations removed from Rex and included little... Yeah, because it would have been... We could have done grit or... Um, <coughs> so Rex, we don't mm -hmm. own Darby, but that was what produced Nick's. Then Nick's... And Vino, which Vino now lives with a good friend of ours. So we don't own her, which she was liver and white as well. Produced Vex. And then we could have thrown Grit into the picture because Grit and Vex made Muddy. Mm -hmm. We don't own Benny, but he's liver and white. And he was the stud dog that produced Thunder. And then we could have thrown Quest into the picture because Quest and Thunder made Legacy. 
So there were some liver and white dogs that could have been thrown into the mix. But believe me, taking that picture with the six dogs and mostly just the puppy <laughs> was a little bit, um, I don't even want to say that challenging because everyone behaved really well, except the puppy kept falling off the steps. Yeah, everyone was really good. Um, Grandpa is like he reminds. So my grandfather actually, and this was not coincidental or named after. I mean, it's coincidental. He was not named after or namesake of. But my grandpa, my dad's father, uh, his name is Rex, and um, he where our dog Rex is at reminds me of my grandpa Rex, just kind of hunched over, hunched over old man, grumpy old man, you know, and. Uh, Rex sitting on the porch, he doesn't move. Once you get him situated, stay here, buddy. He's like, I will sit here. And every single picture looks exactly the same of him. Yeah. Nix, uh, never looks at the camera. He's always somewhere else. Unless you Um, get a bird. And then usually he's does pretty good. And then, uh, Vex is fairly focused and looks almost statue. Like he will be the next grandpa probably. Yep. Um, and then Muddy is also not a camera looker. No, Muddy was kind of uh, eyes everywhere. And then Thunder uh, did a pretty good job. Thunder pretty was Thunder's a young, young dog. younger than the rest of them, so he lacked a little bit of especially because he was also younger. And then sitting next to the puppy that wanted to play and mm-hmm. be wiggly and all the things, but it was still pretty fun to get the picture and turned out not um, as difficult as I kind of truly expected it to be. So let's talk a little bit about the the path in which, and by no means do we feel like we're there uh, and we're done. We're never going to get any better. We've got the best of the best of the best. That's not the case. We have really nice dogs and dogs that fall very heavily into the path of what we're trying to produce. Not all dogs are created equal. Not all short hairs are created equal. And not all breeders of, are even breeding for the same characteristics. Correct, and that's that's what I mean by that. It's not saying ours are better than somebody else's, but ours fall pretty heavily in a specific direction. And if you have somebody that's not breeding for those things, it's still not going to be the right fit for you, unless that's what you're looking for. Roundabout way of saying. So when we look at uh, the dogs that we're trying to produce, we're breeding family oriented versatile companions. And in that order, I would say that of the folks out there, and you can throw this in the comments here, because I'm interested to know how many days do you bird hunt a year? That can include waterfowl hunting, starting with early season. Yeah, using your dogs for hunting. I'm not talking turkey hunting where your dogs aren't out there doing their thing. Unless you turkey hunt with With, your dogs. There are some places you can do that. Yep. I'm just saying, how many days a year do you hunt with your bird dog? Yeah, so throw that in the comments below. Because we're pretty curious. We, we've been throwing out numbers, just assumptions of numbers, and we uh-huh. talk about it a little bit in um, kind of in regards to our hunting. I would say that we hunt, you hunt, 60 days a year. Well, I mean, this year alone already, this season, and it's not over yet, I've hunted roughly... 55 to 60 range already. And you still have a couple trips. Yeah. So 60 plus days a year. 60 but plus for days. us, 
when we're thinking about it, that's a lot. Um, and there's people out there that do hunt more than that. Um, and then there's people out there that do hunt quite a bit less than that. And when you think about 365 days that make up the year, even if you're hunting 60 days, 70 days, that still leaves almost 300 days a year that your dog is most not of hunting them. or more. <laughs> and, uh, for us, that means they have to be able to be a part of the family, settle down in the house 300 days out of the year. Most of it. So, yeah. which comes into that, um, you know, which comes into that family-oriented, versatile hunting companion and in that order. Um, so, things that we look for in our breeding program are dogs that um, are livable, being key there, and they can have all of the ability in the world and not be livable, and they aren't going to stick around. We're going to find them a better situation for them, whether that's a one-dog home or a heavier working home. You know, there are some folks that guide. I know um, one gentleman's got a couple dogs from us. He probably runs 100 days or more a year guiding, and I think they start like September 1 and roll all the way through March. So how many months is that? Six. So half year. Yeah, so... All of September, all of October, all of November, all of December, all of January, all of February, all of March. Yeah, so he, seven? I mean, he may run. Oh, my math was bad. Seven. He may run 120 20. to 150 days, you know, because they don't hunt every single day, but in that time period, he may run 150 to 100 and some days, whatever, well over 100. And that's a lot, right? That's a lot of days. But even still, there, that's two thirds of the year the dog's a family companion. So, and for him, that's what they are. Yes. Yes. But even though he works them hard, hunts them hard uh, during the guiding season, during the evenings and the off days, they're still part of the family living in the house with them. So um, our dogs have to be able to do both. And that's what we're breeding for. And I would say we do waterfowl hunt um, a little bit, but our primary focus is upland stuff. So I want that versatile companion that can make those waterfowl retrieves as well as the adventure dog, if you will, that wants to go to the lake and swim with us um, and make retrieves out of the water and things like that, as well as can compete in NAVDA um, hunt tests and, and things like that. So we still want water love, but we don't want to sacrifice bird dog for it. So we've got uh, 10 to 15, 15, 30, 30, 30 40, 40, 10 to 15, 30 to 40, 30 to 40, 25, 30, 40, 30. 26 new records. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, some of you, what we expect, that 15 to 30 range, some of you, or a couple of you, a few more to that 40 to 60 range. That's a lot of days of hunting, um, but still leaves you 300 that they are part of the family. So, it's definitely, I mean, the folks that are here fall in the category of the things we're looking for out of a bird dog. Now, um, the. There are a few things required in our, our opinion that you need in order to be able to advance in a breeding program uh, or move in a specific direction, whether that's an advance or not. But um, Well, that's what we're always trying to improve the breed. You said we're not there yet, right? Sure. There's no such thing as a perfect dog. No. You can always be making improvements on the breed and improvements on your line. So it sh you should never feel like you've reached the pinnacle of what you can create, what you can breed towards. But um, sorry, so I jumped in there. 
continue. No, absolutely. And what I'm saying, though, with this specifically is there's some things that you need in order to be able to advance. And I think that this is one thing that um, a lot, not everyone, but a lot of folks struggle with. And that is... um, Being an objective reader. Objective honesty. There you go. Okay. So you have to be honest about what you have because Kat mentioned it 100%. There is no such thing as a perfect dog. Um, But then if you can't, if you look at and say, this is the, this is the perfect dog. I, I absolutely could not find anything wrong with this dog. Here is my brutally honest comment. Um, you should not be breeding dogs or animals for that matter in general. Because if you can't find one thing wrong with that dog, first of all, I'd like that to meet like it. That you'd like to improve on, if nothing else. I'd like to meet it. If it is the perfect dog, I want to meet the dog. Um, but two, you aren't going to be able to move in the direction that is better, or any direction, if you can't see what your dog's faults are. Now, sometimes I start explaining things to people and... People explaining go, what our dogs are. Our dogs, yeah. And people will say, you just told me that's like the nicest dog you've ever owned or whatever. You know, if I talk about Vex, I'll, I will be objective. I will say, these are the things that are good. These are the things that are bad. If we talk about Nicks or Muddy or Grit or any of them, I will say, these are their strengths. These are their weaknesses because they all have both. And we try and find... Fewer weaknesses, more strengths, and then... We try and find a compliment. Yes. You know, a dog dog that... A dog to breed to them. Exactly. A dog that's strong where the other is weak. And then as we... You know, that may be this in the beginning. And I... It may be these farther apart things to begin with. These are the strengths and the weaknesses and the two dogs are further apart. But then we find something that's in the middle and then we can bring those together to where we can get closer to that very small differences one way or the other. You know, you're seeing... And that allows us to produce very consistent litters then as well. Instead of having those outliers of puppies that have some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses um, at opposite ends of that spectrum that we can start closing that gap. Um, And we talk about breeding our breeding program being a fine line and a balance act as well because you get too far one direction, you lose some desire. You get too far the other direction, you lose some livability. And we want to continue walking that line to produce dogs that naturally retrieve, but are naturally steady and naturally back other dogs that love to swim and can cuddle up on the couch in the evening, play well with our children, play well with other dogs. Um, That ease of livability all the way around, not just with people, but with their pack, if you will, because we have more than one dog, guys. Got to have more than one dog when you've got a breeding program. And um, they all need to be able to get along. If they can't, they got to go. If you remember back, or if you weren't there, I would definitely go back and see if you can find it. Uh, we're going to do another one here and not too terribly long. The pedigree Yawa. Lots of people thought that was pretty interesting. I would love to do another. What I am fighting through right now is the pedigree program. I had to update it, and it's different. And 
So I have to redo a lot of stuff, which I have not had time to sit down and do. So I can't create the pedigrees and I can't go through the form. I'm not as fluent about going through it because they changed the way it works a little bit. So I'm like, ah, crap, I have to click over here now. And oh, wait a second. How do you do that? So, so I want to get past that yeah, crap. Needs but to get a little more. We'll do another one. Um, but that's one of the big things that we look for to help find this balance. So it's it involves some level of line breeding, some level of consistency in breeding and recognizing um, the dogs that make up that pedigree and what those specific dogs' genes offer to the pool. And then looking at what the dogs are in front of you and taking um, those dogs to be more consistently bred and then some level of line breeding, not super tightly bred, but some level of line breeding to shrink the gene pool a little um, providing you a more consistent um, number of dogs that are in there. So all of those things being taken into consideration, I want to talk about, I want to start back kind of at the beginning. Um, if we look at the, the, the legacy aspect of things or kind of this path that these specific dogs, which is definitely the direction our program has gone and where it started. Um, so Rex produced... Nicks, and he would be the first offspring of that. Now, some of you may know, some may not have been following. There was a shooter one. We told that story not too long ago, and it always hurts. Con- and it gets confusing. Don't yeah, reuse don't, names. Yeah, don't reuse names, except for the guy that always reuses the same name, and then I don't know why. Um, <laughs> there's one guy who's got dogs. I think their name's Star or Penny or something. And Star, every single dog that he only has one dog at one time at a time, and all of them are named Star. Um, but don't do that either. It's just silly. Shooter one we talked about. He was a Darby Rex puppy, and which is the same breeding as Nick's. Um, he was a nice dog. Liked him. Spent a lot of time training him. He, I had him and one other dog at that point in time. They got a lot of work, went to, to work with me every day. They got ran in the morning or in the evening after I was off work, and they did a lot. Now, also, Shooter 1 was a pain in the butt. He was an excited piddler, and he was a little bit wired for sound, and I think we fixed the excited, like, and I'm talking ridiculous excited piddling, folks. You could just, like, look at him from across the room, and he would, like, start writing his name all over the floor, okay? (laughs) It was just everywhere he went, he was piddling everywhere. And we fixed it, like, when he was 12 to 14 months old. Yeah, yes. Months. With an S. So when people ask us, how do I get my puppy to stop piddling in the house at 10 to 12 weeks? I'm like, I don't know. It may take a while. Might Some take of them a while. are different. <laughs> patience, patience. But um, we fixed it with some creative out-of-the-box training stuff, which was giving him a focus outside so we could get him to potty first. And as long as he pottied first, he was good for a while. It was that like initial yeah. have to pee, it's exciting. Interacting so so forth. with him very calmly yep. and, you know, ignoring him ultimately until he got a chance to go to the bathroom. And his increased bladder control definitely helped as well. So But he had he a lot of there. things going for him. Mm-hmm. Um he had, he wasn't perfect, just like none of them are, but he was uh good it was a duck search monster. Okay. Check. He swimming monster, retrieving monster, loved to point. 
Um, he hunted Texas when I was guiding down there with me for months. I actually have a picture of him holding a pheasant in his mouth, locked up on point, which some people have seen this. He's not the only dog ever in the whole world to do this, but it takes a lot of focus. You got to have a strong retriever. They're not going to drop the bird. They can hold on to it and they can smell, lock up on point, And it's a cool thing. So I got a picture of him doing this. All of these things. It was just this cool dog. He died. We talked about that. You have to go watch, listen to the other episode. But um, we repeated that breeding, tried for another, and we kept two puppies out of the bunch. Okay. We've got a video on this, folks. It's a bad idea. Um, yeah, we repeat it on a regular basis. I don't know why. Just gluttons for punishment, maybe. I don't know. We just love puppies so much. <laughs> Something. So we um, we had Tex and Nix. Nix decided to keep Punky because that was Mama's baby, and I was raising Tex, and I Mama won whatever her dog. I mean, they they were both really nice dogs. They were, yeah. yeah. So Tex went to um, that. That would be one of the ones that I would say had the least true. One was better than the other. We cut one for specific reasons or not. It was just we only needed one, and mom was more attached to Nix, and he was a, a great dog. There was no doubt about it. He was doing all the things. Um, he ran his natural ability test at five months old, did fantastic, moved on from there to more advanced stuff, um, just really natural with everything he did, and had a lot of similarities to Shooter One, but was not the same dog. We doesn't didn't look, struggle with the excited pedal. No, he thing. doesn't do that. He doesn't look the same. He doesn't act the same. He's just totally different. And He's a longer, bigger, taller dog. Shooter mm-hmm. One was a lot more compact. He, he was like a lot Rex. more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Nick's yeah, looks a lot more like Darby. Um, so just the the difference in genetics for sure. And that breeding was of fair amount of an outcross very minimal in i think his coefficient of inbreeding is 3.5426764 no i'm just making the rest of that i think three and a half percent something like that um and that's really low so you know it just means there's a lot of potential options there you do different breedings you're going to see different stuff and although the dogs can uniformly turn out good they can also not be the same at all from litter to litter and that's what we saw with that it was completely different so we had that um nix was bred to vino vino was a dog from sharpshooters kennel and um really sweet teeny tiny little thing she had only two litters and had some fertility issues. Uh, she produced a litter three. We thought maybe it was something with Nix or something else. Then she was bred with Shooter, produced a litter of four. Um, and then when she was spayed, we found out she had one ovary. So struggled with some fertility issues. Only kicking eggs from one side, I think, would be how that would work. You know, I mean, um, which would make sense why she had half size litters. You know, six puppies would have been normal. Eight puppies would have been even better ish um anything over six we count as a win from a litter size um and anything over 10 is just insanity so 
uh, six to 10 would be the window that we would prefer. Um, but we had that letter and again, produced Vex. Uh, after Vex, which Vex was fun from a little puppy on, we had kind of a fun time frame there with training. Um, Charlie was working for us at that point in time and he had a puppy and I had a puppy and I had a puppy and cat had a puppy. Look at that. Another oh time gosh. where we raised two puppies the exact same age at the exact same time. See a pattern here, folks. Um, but don't we do it. Don't do it. God dang. We, uh, we did it and over. we had a lot of competitions. Over. Yeah. Over. Lots of this, this story repeats. So we had, uh, we had lots of competitions, lots of fun things. Now at that um, creates a huge problem. Okay. When you have multiple dogs at one time, especially when you're looking objectively and honestly at the dogs, it gets super easy to nitpick stuff. Oh, well, you're behind. Oh, well, you're not doing as good as you're doing. Oh, well, you're better at this than you are at that. And so on and so forth. The nitpicking begins. Now, does it ultimately matter if one dog is doing things at four months old and the next dog does it at six months old? Nope. Except for in the moment when you go, why is my puppy, quote unquote, two months behind? So it's a struggle. But we saw the potential in both of them. And it's because they weren't that far apart from each other. But you do see some of those things. Now, Interestingly enough, those two dogs that were raised at the same time both turned out to be really nice dogs. Um, Grit and Vex, mm -hmm. they produced Muddy. Now, um, the next dog down that line, I'm going to skip, like fast forward just a smidgen just to make a, a point down on this part of it here. The next dog down the line is Thunder, okay? In that picture specifically. Now, between Vex and Thunder, um, we washed out a lot of dogs. I'm talking a lot of dogs. Now, probably more dogs than the average person will own in a lifetime. I mean, that's uh, almost guaranteed more dogs. So, um, whoop, I bumped that, but I think we're good. The I'm trying to think here. Uh, we had two dogs named Casanova. Again, well, we don't kept, do that. I really like the name. Kept one. He didn't yeah, work out. Didn't so work out. Like, so we're like, well, let's, let's try, try it again. again. Um, and because we didn't keep the dog, but it's still Casanova's. And we had a, oh, help me here. A we had a couple Rips. We had Bleak. We had Nash. We had Dash. Fancy Fox. And those are all dogs that we washed out that were both males and females. But oh, in and of itself, no, about. that's fine. Um, just males alone, though. It was like seven or eight dogs. The legend is in there. Who else is Zephyr. in there? Zephyr. Yeah. So seven or eight males in between keeping Vex and keeping and breeding anyone else, which happened to be next Thunder. Um, but when we did... That breeding specifically, we bred Grit and um, Vex. We've done, we kept Muddy from the first breeding. Mm -hmm. And she is one of my, she's one of my favorite dogs as far as all of the things. And I think for me, deep down, it 
really helps how much I really bond with and like a dog um, based on how easy they are to raise as puppies. We do have a fair amount going on, especially if you multiple puppies at one time on occasion, like we do right now. We have clay and we have the, it's virtually always, okay? We pick a puppy and we're like, yep, this is the one we're going to raise. And it's like, oh, another litter. Look, there's a puppy. It's okay, so cute. Okay, but to be fair, and so <laughs> listen to my answer and I'm my listen, reasoning. I'm listening. Yeah, so we don't just breed dogs to breed dogs. That's 100% the truth. It's not like we're like, oh, let's just have another litter for the heck of it. How no. much is that doggy in no. the window? We are developing a breeding program trying to move in the direction of improving the breed and finding the next best dog. We don't and make a pair unless I'm interested in getting a yeah, dog. Yeah, and I'm it. like, I really want a puppy out of this, and I really want a puppy out of that, and I really want a puppy out of that. And Ethan's like, well, maybe we could wait till they're repeated breeding. And I'm like, mm, I have patience issues. So... <laughs> to say the least. And I usually get what I want, so thus we Truth. have two puppies again. Yep. I think I... You kicked it, so like I'm almost half off the screen now. There we go. Kind of. Much, much more better. Um, yeah, so here we are. We've got uh, Vex, who super nice dog, and I... I had a lot of fun with him. So put a master on him. Also, we put one on um, Grit at the same time. So I ran both of them younger-ish. And Vex was easy. So you want to talk about Cat running Nix and how he was a turd and whatever. And it came out and I was like, Cat, you need to run Vex for something, something. And she took and ran him. Was it just a utility test or was it a hunt test or what? It was a utility test. So Random is utility test. I was doing my apprenticeship for judging. And I had to had to have a dog titled in a specific amount of time. Some. I don't know if I had to. T- had to I had run to one? run on. And I think he had to prize. Yeah. Prize, yeah. I was like, well, Vex is the closest thing that we have at this point in time that would be ready. He's still lacking his duck search a little bit, but he should be good to go. And she's like, oh, I don't know about his field. And, you know, because well, she's thinking, well, you're thinking it's going to be like Nick's like now, run, handling a dog is going to be like Nick's. I mean, keep it's in just mind guys too. This is in October that I'm running him and Aiden was born in November. So I'm very pregnant and it's <laughs> very pregnant running this dog in the field. Yes. And, um, he was nothing less of a perfect gentleman. He was such a gentleman. Yeah, everything. Perfect. Fourth. All straight across the board. Until his duck search, which then affected some of the other scores. But yeah, he did really, really well. So Yes. And I would say I talked about earlier in this that uh, running dogs gives me the jitters. And I... um, So Vex's little story with running his hunt test, I ran him early. So sub two years. And... Went two weekends, which I usually go to double-double. So he had eight opportunities, which should have finished him on 90% of the dogs that I run. Um, a very good pass ratio, and he struggled a little bit. Dumb mistakes. Not blown up, just, like, handle three birds clean, then hop-hop on another one and out. So I uh said i'm done with this crap you're gonna go run and he ended up with two or three passes or something out of the eight which wasn't 
good. Two passes out of eight, maybe. But I was going with other dogs, too, so it was easy to bring him along. Um, pulled him, brought him in, ran him the next spring. He went four in a row in one weekend, and it was just like, okay, you... And it was relaxing. Uh, it wasn't one weekend. It was two weekends because I went to just a double. So he got two opportunities one weekend, two opportunities next weekend, whatever it was. It was just relaxing. You just let him go. There he goes. He hunts. He does his thing. There's no jitters. There's no nothing. He just is a complete gentleman all the time. So absolutely love him. He is also not a perfect dog. You go, okay, well, how is he not perfect? Um, I'm going to have to think on that one for a while. Mm. Uh, there's a couple different things that I would improve on with him. And he could be a little bigger. He a little bigger. He weighs 63 pounds. What? Oh, so he's fat right now. <laughs> um, he's a 60 pound male. So I and guess he's a if little you want to, maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe I don't know. What, I, what do you? What do we want out of a dog size wise? I don't even know. I guess. What are we looking for? Well, when you look at the picture, Muddy's bigger than him. Yes. So <laughs> we need smaller females. Maybe is what you mean? I think that's it. Um, it really with him, it comes down to a couple things that he does that are faults are, are strengths and weaknesses all at the same time. He's overly cooperative. Okay. He, and that falls into that ease of handle and he's just willing to please. He's willing to work. And he has kind of a yo-yo style running pattern. This is not something I taught him. This is something that is ingrained in his brain because Vino he is, too. yes, because he is his mother's son. All right. Genetics are a strange thing. They pass to the offspring. He runs out and hunts and does fine. And then he comes all the way back to you and looks at you like, hey, are we ready to go? Yeah. Are you still go, there? <laughs> go hunt, kid. And so he does that. Now he makes good passes and they are productive. He finds lots of birds. He does a nice job with that. But it's a lot of outing and then all the way back in. Now, you may be thinking about that going, sounds perfect. Apply that to a duck search, though. Yep. So in that category, it sucks. He goes out and then he comes back. Okay. Well, then you've got to send him because he's going to stand here and go, well, I went out and looked. I mean, what, what, what else do you want from me? Well, you stand there for a while and you stand there for a while and you stand there for a while. And then he finally goes, eh, maybe I could go back out. And then he might make another push over here. But it, it just is kind of slow and it's not and it needs help and it needs encouragement and it needs all these things. Now, could he eventually get there with enough training? Yes, that it requires quality duck search work. Where Nick's, it was like, Bye, and then it would be like, please come back. Yeah, um, the, the judges be like, okay, you can call your dog and be like, okay, yeah, get we'll the see boat. about that. <laughs> get the kayak. Um, but it would be that would be one thing. Is he's he's almost overly cooperative. So now the interesting thing about all of this is, you fast forward to Thunder, he's very cooperative, but more independent about the way that he acts. So you can call him. And here he is, but he's out there doing his thing and he isn't checking in with you. He's doing it in a reasonable range, but he's not coming in to say hi. He's just out there hunting until you want him. So you're able to move past some of those things, but I would say Vex realistically 
um, has the least number of things that I could find that I would count as negatives. I mean, I there there are a few things, and the more that I would think about it, but he is what we are attempting at this point to do a bunch of line breedings on. Vex's um, daughter, Quest, to Thunder is what produced Legacy. So that's a line breeding on Vex with a daughter to a grandson. Um, the lines there are completely different. So you get the small percentage. Vex is in there and then Vex is in there but everything else is way outcrossed. So it's still not in a tight coefficient of inbreeding, but um, then you jump down the line to Muddy, okay? Now we can find a few more things here. Fairly easily, Kat mentioned them. Size-wise is one. She's giant. I mean, she's for a, a big, female. She's a big girl. She's 60 pounds. When, and she's always fat, so she's more than that. <laughs> I, I think that's probably her fat. She, if she yeah. was trim, she holds weight. Well, that's a plus, um, and she's a got drawback. an insane coat too. Like she's got a really good coat. She's tall and long. Um, yeah, shock would. Uh, how how about shock? Shock would be a good dog. She's a muddy puppy, just like Thunder's a muddy puppy and Clay is a muddy puppy. I love muddy puppies. Um, she was when testing her. She was happy footed. She got that from her mother. Um, she reminds me a tish more of a more relaxed, more poised, if you will, grit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a lot of similarities to grit with a little bit of, like she's an improvement of grit. That would be the best way that I could explain mud. Mm-hmm. Um, where there are some of the puppies that come out of those breedings that I feel like are more Vex-like. Um, she's definitely falling in the more grit-like category, but size is a big one for her. I think she's too big because you, whatever direction you're breeding, it's only going to continue. So if you take small dogs, breed them to small dogs, you're going to get smaller dogs, and big dogs to big dogs get bigger. So you've got to kind of find that happy medium without breeding too big to too small, or you end up with bite and head and development issues where stuff gets crossed and you get weirdness. Um, but muddy. Uh, has a few things, but has probably one of the nicest females that we have thus far and have had as far as producing quality dogs. I love muddy puppies. Every single one of them that come back in, uh, they top the charts as far as learning, doing, enjoying all of the things. Um, it's, it's fun to work with them, especially the more of them that we get in. They just do all of it and are always there loving it, willing to train and work, but have the ability to turn it off. And that's where I look at Thunder. He's got a lot of really good things going for him, right? Um, But I would love for him to be bigger. He's little. He's very little. Now, he's going to mature. You're seeing some of that, except for when you see him sit next to his mother. He looks tiny, tiny. But um, I'm just starting to see it. And that picture was one of them where he was sitting there and was like, oh, look at that. You got some muscles starting to come in, buddy. Um, Those shoulders and uh, I don't think dogs really have pec muscles, but it's like the The chest chest across there is widening out. So um, he looks good. You know, he looks really good. And looks like we've got some scammers bopped in there or something. They become too much, folks. We'll kick them out. But, um, you know, him size-wise. Now, the next thing about him is uh, he's a little more vocal. 
And that's something that I would say with Muddy. They are not noisy in their kennels. They are not noisy in their crates or around the house. But excitement-based. Excitement, yeah. So we go to hunt, and Muddy would arf, 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 arf through the field. Uh, Thunder is not much better when it comes to excitement. Like, you get ready, and he's amped, and he's ready to roll, and he's, he's got to vocalize about that. And that would be something that I will breed away from. And it's Quest is a good way to do that. Um, Quest is crazy quiet. I know if you watch some of her puppy stuff, uh, she has a little bit of like fun, sassy attitude, which I'm seeing a little bit out of legacy already. Um, but from like an excitement standpoint, uh, in her kennel standpoint, she's like a little kitty cat. She is so quiet. She's so calm, well-mannered, well-behaved. So, um, really excited about what legacy is going to be that cross between quest and thunder. And then that brings us all the way down to Little Miss Legacy. And, I mean, I think, folks, the biggest takeaway that I can help or I can provide or I can talk about here is there's been a lot of washing out and there's been a lot of objective honesty, okay? As much as these dogs are part of our family and we are trying to produce a breeding program, if we're going to do it in this lifetime, we have to only keep what falls in the category of improving what we have moving in the direction of better. And it's um, everything you see is genetic. And I will preach this till they put me in a hole in the ground. Um, Everything is genetic. Which Uh, we just talked about. I mean, when we talk about the dogs, those six dogs, you're like, well, muddy is a improvement on grit. And, Vex has a lot of Vino's characteristics. Yeah. Nix was more Darby. Shooter was more Rex. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing out of Thunder a little bit of that vocalization that we can see out of Muddy in exciting times. And Little Legacy, you know, it's really early to tell exactly, but we do see a little bit of that fun, sassy attitude that we see out of Quest. Um, she is not as chill as my Tricks puppy which was also a quest puppy. Um, she she takes a little more to settle down in the evenings. Um, or chill as all Clay. Clay is a Clay cool is dude. such a little love bug. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Um, so it's interesting to see those genetics um, because, like Ethan said, what did you say? Everything's genetic? genetic. I, thought, I thought you were going to Every Sorry, I was reading. Um, I, I thought I was setting him up for, yeah. you know. Everything is genetic. Yes. So. Um, mad scientist style. Everything. Absolutely everything. And uh, it's one of those things that as soon as I think, ah, uh, no, nah, this, this was developed. This is, we didn't put enough time in. They're all, all the puppies. Exactly the same. And that's part of the, the, the selection process, too. Some dogs, you fall into the category of you're like, hey, this dog seems fantastic. Great. Love all the things. We can do a breeding to this that improves on. You know, this is the compliment too. And then you um, uh, get into the puppies and you go, okay, well, I see the exact same thing over and over again. Well, it's time to move you along. We're going to move on to greener pastures. You know, I mean, that's, that's it. Now, move along, folks. Don't misunderstand that. means provide a perfect for forever home. That is our goal. The dogs never go anywhere else once they leave us. Now, 
there's been a small selection of times that dogs have come back to us or that we've heard that have been moved on or something in that essence, you know, I mean, it's small number of times we're not perfect. Okay. But, um, you know, with our contracts and everything else, we get the dogs back so that we can then rehome them. We, maybe that's a control freak side of things. Guilty, um, but we want to know where they're at. You know, I want to, I feel like with our experience and everything that we can do is we're going to have the best opportunity to put them in the best opportunity for them. So, yes, for sure. So, um, something that I wanted to mention about legacy, get my own little plug in here is, yeah, right there. Um, it says something. Something. Oh. That was the question. That's what I was trying to. I don't know. Oh, that was the super chat. So we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but so if you've been following along with our YouTube channel at all, if you subscribe, you've probably seen some of the newest content with Clay that Ethan is doing. Um, a little revised puppy training series. I mean, we have other puppy training series. You can check them out in playlists uh, with Quest and Rogue and Thunder and Shock and. Um, tricks and oh my gosh, we've got a lot of them, right? Well, we talked about doing a puppy training series with Legacy and ultimately decided that unless she throws like a crazy curveball about something at me that then we can do kind of a standalone, hey, this is an issue that some people have. Let's shoot a video about it with her to help educate and teach people. We didn't really want to do the dueling battling puppy training series at the same time. So instead, what I did was created a IGTV live training series with her. And I've done two live training series so far. So if you follow us on YouTube, but want to check us out on social media, on Instagram, um, you can follow along with her training series that I'm going to be doing little live sessions with as we come along. Everybody, I just figured out we could do which puppy is better. Yeah. Which puppy? Which <gasps> Who's, which puppy is better? Come on now. The harsh truth. The harsh truth. No, it's just, it's just, come on now. Come on guys. Give legacy a little love. But anyway, so if you guys want to see how her training series is going, you'll have to bop over to our social media page on Instagram. Um, does that share across to the old It doesn't go on to Facebook because it's IGTV. It's not a story post because it would be too long. You know, it's a 15-minute training session or something. Stories are like a minute. So it has to be on IGTV. And I don't know gotcha. of a way to put it on Facebook. I mean, maybe there's I, a way, but. I have found a way that you could stream live to YouTube and Facebook at the same time. But I have not found anything that really allows you to do the Instagrammer streaming uh, with tied in with anything else. So. Oh, 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 Legacy's oh, coming up ah. in the world. Okay, so uh, while y'all, the, the people have spoken, we're going to do a few of these super chats in mm -hmm. here. Um, oh, well, that's in the way. It is very much in the way. There oh, goes there we go. Perfect. All right, so I think that's the first one. There's Chris. Okay, Chris Polchney said, I know it will be towards the end of the year, but wanted to go ahead and ask. My wife and I are two months from our baby's due date. Congratulations. How soon, when can your two-year-old female GSP be introduced, um, whom only is inside to the, um, who is only inside to crate at night, makes little to no noise in the crate, um, 
ask questions. <laughs> okay. You're asking so I think when that to what introduce you're the puppy to the baby? Yes, except the baby's two or the dog is two year old short hair that it sounds like isn't an inside dog. Not puppy, typically sorry, is just, you know, crated inside at night, um, but is kind of part of the family as well. So um, that's a good question. Never. <laughs> that's a good question. And we get asked that a lot. And I would say that we are more on the strict side we have other friends too that have dogs and babies and they are a little more lenient in the way that they've allowed their what it's 50 50 (laughs) perfect um a little more lenient um in the way that they let their dogs interact with their children i think that our situation is a little bit different because we have more dogs than the average joe so we try and control the situation as much as possible Ethan's a control freak. He's already claimed it. I'm not much better. Um, But those little babies are pretty fragile and delicate in the beginning stages. And dogs can be very gregarious and unpredictable and not know their own strength. And we definitely don't want little babies getting hurt. Um, You know, even Cade, who's seven months old now and can sit up on his own. Well, when he's sitting up, he's still pretty darn wobbly. And a dog unsupervised that's just running around the house could easily knock him over or run past him fast where then he kind of tries to look and falls over. So um, when our dogs are out and about with our kids, they're typically on dog beds and then the kids can approach and interact with them or leave. Um, And then it also, also we can tell the kids like Aiden, Hey, time to leave the dogs alone a little bit. Um, But I would say when you do the introduction, just do it in a controlled manner. Don't let, um, your dogs be gallivanting around the house in an over exuberant situation. Um, and then be holding your baby so that, you know, if you need to make, you know, a quick change to the situation that you're able to do that. It's perfect. Next one here. Simple auto solutions. You should touch on your legacy of content creation. This must add a whole extra level of work. Um, I Guess that's definitely another take on the legacy that we've created, um, if you will. The enormous YouTube library of content, um, as well as our social media um, content that we have, it does create a lot of work, um, which is why we really appreciate our patrons who help um, support us creating that content from the equipment to the editing process. Um, I would say, I don't know. It's a lot of work. I mean, there's. it looks like a lot of work, and it, it is a lot of work. I mean, it's hours that we put in. Um, I enjoy doing it. Kat enjoys doing it. And what we, to be completely honest, would love more time to be able to devote to it. And that this is the biggest thing that we struggle because when we have live animals, right, I mean, they take the number one priority and then keeping up with the communication monster that is social media and questions and comments and Mm, Patreon and emails and messages, phone calls. Yeah. That communication monster, um, would be second priority. And then third priority is creating more content and it's, um, and throw the kids in there somewhere too. I'm just, (laughs) you're just talking about the business. Work. I know. I know. Work, 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 work. Um, but, we have been trying and trying and trying to get 
set up well enough, including trying to hire folks, somebody to be here full time to kind of manage the, they can have camera equipment ready and set up instead of, you know, and I can walk into doing a training session and thing, things of that nature or cat vice versa. To just and be more efficient with our time so that we exactly. can do more. Um, the same with uh, photography, all of that stuff. And then what it comes down to is we, we move in the direction of getting uh, additional help and then something happens with just standard life stuff, you know, sickness or change of uh, situation. So we lose employees and then get new employees and that requires our time and focus to help retrain and do and or fill in the gaps. And then so it pulls from some of the content creation and the other um, responsibilities that we have have to get put on the back burner for a while. Same thing with being in the middle of BFE. We struggle with uh, childcare. You know, oh, we've so tried bad. daycares and it's an insane amount of travel back and forth for us going to and from and to and from since we day. work from home it's yeah. not like we work in town correct so. so you add you add those things up and in all honesty and what we are trying to do on a regular basis is move more the direction of being able to create content that's it and um, answer questions better for y'all um do a better job of filming hunting trips and adventures and how we do that with our dogs and i will say I mean, we don't get me wrong. We love creating the content for you guys. We love thinking about new ways to present that content, new spins on some of the training sessions so that, you know, we're constantly creating something with a little new vibe um, and, and continuing to learn and grow ourselves so that we can apply some of the new things that we've learned to old um, methods. But also sometimes we're like, oh, I would really love to just like throw this bird for my puppy right now. Yeah. But we don't have all the camera equipment set up. So we want to show this for the first time. So it's authentic and real and live so that we, because we can't recreate that. It's not like I can throw a bird for clay or Ethan can throw a bird for clay and nope. then see how that went and then do it again and get the same reaction so that we can work through that or show you guys that. So sometimes we're like, Ugh, I just need like a camera strapped to my face. All the time. 100%. But uh, Next question here. Kelly said, say more about vocalizing excitement. Jack seems to know when we're en route to daycare and yips the last three miles. Yeah, that's a thing, uh, Kelly. And especially with dogs that are hyper intelligent, which we've talked about is a problem with the old Jaxer. I was going to say, we talked about Shooter 1 too. Yes. He was that way. Like we could take a different path and drive and turn around and drive a different way. And he would know the moment we pulled on the gravel road headed to the old kennel, he would yeah, start going the la nuts. The last two miles or mile and a half, two miles, whatever. So excited to get there because he knew we were going to work. We were going to train. We were going to do something exciting and wonderful. They are smart and they just know. And um, in anticipation of that, you can do things like, hey, we're going to put a bark collar on so that you don't act like that yeah. on the way. Um, interrupting the behavior um, in a timely fashion and anticipating that it's going to happen so that you can interrupt it and redirect it before it even starts is the best way to uncondition the behavior. It's good. Look, uh, so look, far, 50. Oh, I thought legacy was winning for a second, like a half a second. And then I went, did you end the poll? No, it just is like hidden for a second here. 
I think you ended it. Oh, no, nope, there it is. Come on now. Quick, somebody vote for Legacy so then we can end the poll. <laughs> 34, 50, 50, folks. You guys are too, you guys are too politically correct. Just love it all. Too darn smart is the case. 100%. Pop sir. 50-50 now. I know. <laughs> all right, folks. Um, Let's go ahead and... Whoop. Too far. No, there it is. That's what I wanted. Let's go ahead and end the poll. Thank uh, you for everyone We got to win voted. on a tie, or we got to leave it at a tie. Well, we can't let Legacy or Clay have their little feelings hurt. It would just be Cat getting her feelings hurt when Clay won. So, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Um, oh, glasses with a camera in them now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but we work really hard to have high quality video and audio. So I'd have we'd have to really look into seeing like what quality, um, camera because like GoPro stuff is not always ideal either. Nah. Um, yeah. from like. GoPro. Uh, well, from the audio and video quality comparatively to what we typically put out, and we have come a long way. Like, if you go back and watch some of the first puppy playlists with Mac, we were shooting those on our cell phones. <laughs> the audio was crap, and there was a lot of times where people were like, hey, I can't hear you at all in this video. And we're like, yeah, we know. Um, so we've come a long I way from that. can't hear me either. We've come a long way from that point, and, um, you know, we hope that you guys enjoyed the content and the quality of the content, not the quality of the production of the content. (laughs) Production value. There we go. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty, folks. Um, It's been fun. It's been real. It's been really fun. It's been really fun. We've enjoyed talking with you. We've got some fun stuff coming up uh, moving forward. We are going to be pulling in some guest speakers, and when we do that, Kat and I will take turns and split off. Um, one of the folks that I've got on the hook, the hopefully sooner rather than later, it sounded like he got sick. He was actually supposed to be this week and got sick, so we're going to uh, do everything live still. Um, so we had to postpone, but we'll be talking with the folks at Kent, talk about ammo and where has it all gone or why is it not here? And, uh, you know, some of the other things they have upcoming, some other cool stuff along that line, and the ability, again, to ask questions live with whatever whatever pops in your brain. We'll ask them. Um, and then... I plan on having Courtney from Bird Dog Babe on. I don't know if you guys um, follow her podcast, but it's really interesting and you definitely should. Um, If you are interested, I was just on her podcast this week um, talking about New Year's goals and resolutions. So I would check that out. Um, But she's going to join me on our podcast at um, some point this year when our schedules align and we'll come up with a really cool topic that'll be fun to talk about too. Going to pull in some folks with... uh... Pheasants forever, quail forever, uh, to talk about habitat as well as their um, specific organization and how cool it is. Kat and I are actually life members of Pheasants and and Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, um, because we believe in what they're doing. You know, it's a it's a great cause for something that is a huge part of what we do. Period. That's a good way to say that. Um, and then pulling in uh, when we can, 
I, I may be able to sweet talk the old man if I can get him to do it. That's our reproductive specialist to talk about some of that. We'll pull in some people when we can, as well as other dog trainers, just to discuss theories and concepts and all of it that we can. Exciting stuff for 2022, folks. I hope you're ready. Uh, and that will be basically all we've got for this evening for y'all. I'm the guy with the pink gun. I'm Kat, the dog trainer.